Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your tray table is in an upright and locked position, and that you are ready to get weird and think different. Please prepare for takeoff. Today is Wednesday, November 13th, and we are going to the beach. Okay, maybe we're not actually going to the beach, but today's guest has built a brand that is completely centered around the coast and the ocean, and so metaphorically speaking, we are going to the beach today. Uh, My guest is somebody who is really near and dear to my heart. I think it's partially because we share the same alma mater, but definitely has more so to do with the fact that we grew up in the exact same coastal New Hampshire beach town and never even knew it uh, until you know well into our, our 20s. But so my guest today is Kayla O'Connor, and she is the founder of Blue Society, and what she has created is this incredible lifestyle clothing brand that I think really bottles up all those amazing feelings of the beach and that that essence of being by the water and the coast and she puts it into these beautiful sustainably made uh, articles of clothing for both men and women and so as, as we got into this episode it was not only great to catch up with her but also to hear about her really incredible story over the last year of starting this company and, and the progress she's made and the, the lessons that she's learned. Um, it is hard to believe that you know that she's been doing this for such a short period of time and has already um, really absorbed so much knowledge about the clothing industry and about building brands. Uh, her story is, is really interesting. Um, and it certainly helps that her products are equal to the task of her brand. If not even better, they are you know, beautifully made, and um, she's really, really crushing it. So before I continue to just keep babbling on, we are going to the beach, metaphorically speaking. Sit back and enjoy this interview with Kayla O'Connor of Blues Society. That's when I kind of pulled the trigger to go all in on my venture. Again, I had a, a pretty solid understanding of my mission and basically my love for the ocean and the community mm-hmm. that I was able to build by just doing a small task with just making my t-shirts. Um, so I decided to go all in on it, um, doing a lot of research and, and trying to figure out the market in such a saturated market. I decided to do all rebranding. Um, like I said before, I, I had no idea where the things were coming that I was buying. Yeah. Um, so I spent the following 18 months doing um, R&D and traveling. I went to textile shows in New York and LA, and um, I started focusing on sustainable fabrics. Um, and I settled on a fabric with um, a lot of, it's 80% bamboo, 20% cotton, um, a cool. little bit of stretch for spandex. So that was kind of my 
my stars aligned to, to go in on that fabric. And, um, I basically, again, throughout that whole time period, I was writing to every single manufacturer that I could um, get my hands on. And mm-hmm. that industry, just everyone thinks it's okay to not answer. Right. You still a lot of a nose or is it just <laughs> ghosted? Yeah, totally ghosted. So I had this small factory in, um, actually in Fall River, Mass, um, cool. which, decided to buy into my vision and they were super supportive and it's two, um, it's owned by two women. So they basically helped me, um, figure out the process of that. I had that lined up and they're basically waiting until I, I finalize on my fabric decision. So, um, after that, I basically just did my first run and got some stuff out to my family and friends for some feedback. Did all my rebranding, reworked all the legal stuff and trademarking. And that was mm-hmm. a giant process. Um, but yeah, basically just started grinding and, and just being a sponge and learning all, about the industry and, and kind of starting starting yeah. from scratch again, which is awesome. That's awesome. So maybe going back a little bit, when you were first like you're in college and you decide like, hey, I'm going to start making these t-shirts more so just like for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, like were you just going online and like design a t-shirt.com type of thing and like making something and kind of slapping your logo on it? Or like how did you first get into that piece of things? Totally. So Basically, my big vision is like you and I growing up on the coast, loving the water, everything about it. I basically, I wanted to create a brand and I kind of think of everything in a bigger picture of of my bigger themes of what the message I'm trying to get across. Yeah. Kind of ultimately landed me on my, um, my logo combination. So I wanted to create a brand um, that kind of united people, helped me build, like I'm a pretty quiet, reserved person. Yeah this has been um, an avenue for me to kind of grow more into my voice and mm-hmm. be behind confidence with something. Um, but I essentially wanted to create a brand that allowed everyone to feel comfortable in their own skin. Com- combine that with the like uniting people who love the water and who are mm-hmm. basically love growing up near the water. And I actually to take a little tangent. I read this really moving book um, called the uh, blue mind. Uh-huh. I got to figure I think it's the author is Wallace Nichols. Okay. Um, but basically the first half of the book, you should definitely read it. It's awesome. Yeah. I recommend it to everyone. And I say, even if you read this and finish it in three years, like write to me, like I want to know, yeah. I want to know how it moved you and um, like your kind of key takeaways. But I read that book the summer um, after senior year and it was really moving for me in the sense that the first half of it is um, really science heavy. And it essentially says how we all come from the ocean mm-hmm. and um, basically like, when you're born, like the embryonic sac is like the same makeup as seawater. So yeah. we're like basically born into like seawater. Right. Um, as well as it goes, the back half of the book is more of a marketing spin on like the color blue and what it does to the consumer. Yeah. So throughout the renaming process, like I wanted to try to include the word blue in yeah. my, my naming somehow. And that book really cemented that for me. Yeah. Um, so going back to kind of my branding and, and logo design, um, in the creation of, it wasn't really just like a go online, create your own t-shirts. Right. My first run, I did everything with, um, embroidery. Okay. So I essentially hammered down. I was like, okay, I kind of have the framework of what I want my brand to represent, but how can yeah. I connect to the individual? And I was like, what is the most purest form of anything? And I'm keep going spitballing. I have this huge chart. I'm writing like a million different words and adjectives yeah. down. Um, and basically I landed on like the elements and symbols for the elements and, mm-hmm. um, in my logo, there's four main um, alchemy elements for salt, water, earth, and air. Yeah. So basically, the mnemonic for that is the word C. For okay. Salt water is one word, so it's salt, water, earth, and air. And I was yep. like, okay, well, what, what's a uniting word? And then I found, I, I settled on society. So I was like, oh, should I just name it like Blue Society? And then 
I basically spun it into, it worked out perfectly to name a blue society, but the actual mnemonic for, for C is my, my alchemy elements. Yeah. Salt, and air. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's the, the, the behind version of like how my creative process and all my crazy yeah. thoughts came into one. Um, and it worked out well. And I, I wanted to bring everything full circle. And I feel as though um, with that creative process, it allowed me to embrace all aspects of what I was trying to translate through my brand. Yeah. One thing that I've like found is I've talked to more people in, in creative circles and like I was reading on your blog that it was like almost like 18 months worth of development of kind of like figuring out mm -hmm. exactly what you wanted this brand to be, where some people get like so hung up on what the brand is and, and take in so much feedback. Like, were you kind of in your own lane on this or did you say like, Hey mom and dad, Hey friends, like this is what I'm thinking of calling this. Like how did you sort of maybe like market test it when you were starting to think about like what you wanted the name or the brand to be? I think in the very beginning part before I kind of came across exactly what I wanted to do, yeah. I had a few different examples and I, I definitely am a person that relies on sounding boards. I do have my specific sounding boards, like you said, like family, close relatives, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but again, like I hit that moment when everything came full circle and I was like, this is it. And that's mm -hmm. what kind of, when I had it all on paper and I was like drawing and doodling and had yeah. this crazy collaboration of, of probably mayhem, but, yeah. um, I think it kind of a switch flicked and I was just like, I want to buy all into this. Like this is the closest yeah. I've come to translating everything that I'm trying to get across in my, my messaging. Um, but yeah, everyone seemed to like it and. Um, it's funny because pe people call it blue, blue city, blue sea city and all this stuff. Yeah. and like society, like, um, but I just kind of let whatever happens. But, yeah. um, I think that when, once I continue to get my story across, it just kind of embodied everything that I wanted to be in mm -hmm. my, into the brand. But again, kind of going off your point, like there's only so much that I can do to, mm -hmm. to put myself into the brand. But after I kind of hit those check boxes of, of, um, reaching out to my sounding board and, and kind of creating this identity, it's almost like. I put my, my heart and soul into what I think I want, want it to be. But right. after I kind of probably crossed the first six months or so, it, it starts to build a, its identity of its own. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm doing my best to spit out what I, what I want to represent. And obviously there's a, a healthy portion that you got to stay behind that, but it almost yep. creates a life of its own where you can ha have your t-shirt on and like have the best day in the water and kind of reflect on that. Like, go oh, again, yep. like I'm wearing a brand, like I know where it was made. I know it was manufactured and sourced, like right. really cool to, to be kind of part of the first following, but I just had an awesome day on the water with my buddies and like, this is what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like just even looking through your site and your Instagram, it's all so like succinct and really clear and like what your message is and you can like feel it of when you like read through all your, like every single thing that you have out there, like you can really like kind of feel that. And I think that's, that's something I've struggled with is like really narrowing in and like, okay, what is, what do we, what does my brand stand for? What are we, what are we trying to accomplish? Um, and it seems like you're like so crystal clear on that, which is like, which is amazing. Um, are you the only person who is working on blue society at the moment? I know I see your brother maybe gets in there and models from time to time, but <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's just me. Um, he is my in-house model. Okay. Most cheapest you can you can come yeah um but yeah it's, it's again and it's hard the sense of being the only person and and trying to like obviously like i've kind of made it clear that my heart lies in the, the creative process and marketing yep. aspects but i think the most challenging part of kind of running it by yourself is is wearing all the hats 
Yeah. But obviously, I mean, I feel like you and I are very similar in the sense that we're just being sponges right now and just yeah. trying to trying to grasp and just grasp every everything you can, even with what you're doing. Like mm-hmm. I feel half half the day you have to do your research, and if there's anything that you have gray areas on, whatever it may be, email marketing, yeah. like. To, like doing like content auditing, everything yeah. that you need to do to kind of track to, to measure your own progress. It's really hard mm-hmm. to fill the gaps of, of learning that and being a lifelong learner yeah. and then executing and kind of breaking down those pieces. Okay. Like from this part, from eight to 12, like I'm going to do straight emails and then I'm going to work on my marketing content yeah. and I got to check my bank accounts and like do my cookbooks and all the statements and everything. So I feel as though it definitely is hard in that sense of kind of compartmentalizing your day. Mm-hmm. And, and keeping on track, but then also like you're so go 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 that it's, yeah. it's challenging for you to when you when you reach your your goals and small measures of success. You, I mean, I think I'm flawed in the sense that I don't really recognize it and it, like take yeah. a second to smell the roses. I'm just like on to the next thing, right? And then you kind of go into downward spiral of of keep hitting those goals and those next markers, but you just are full like full speed ahead, and you don't even get to like kind of take a yeah step, to enjoy like a second to step back, yeah. I'm curious, like, you know, cause I've been working really by myself and have had same thing, like family, close friends who will hop in and help out on things. But like, and you touched on it a little, how do you actually decide, like, here's how I'm going to spend my day. Like I've from going from like a normal office job where it's like, you have a meeting at nine and you have a meeting at 1030 and you have a meeting at 11 and like everything yeah. is like so, so scheduled to now I'm like, shit, I have 10 hours that I need to somehow figure out how to like slightly organize like what is your process to organizing your day and like how you spend your time for sure i mean i think it's a fine line between organizing but i also like laugh at myself sometimes because i feel naive in the sense that to never have a straight nine to five job yeah. that is just like i'm always on my own schedule in the sense that again like i can play my own meetings and i can figure out what i want to work on and what I don't like need to kind of work on, but mm-hmm. I actually, um, I read this funny thing the other day about making a to-do list and writing everything down and then throwing it away. And then mm-hmm. things that you remember in your head are the ones you actually need to accomplish. And really? it was like an exercise. I forget what, might've been on a podcast, but someone yeah. was talking about that every Sunday, like I like to lay out my week and I'm a huge advocate for to-do lists, but sometimes yeah. they, bur- they burn me because sometimes yeah. they get halfway through. Right. Um, and that was like a funny thing. I when I heard that, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like that's kind of what I do because I write everything down, but four things of the actual list gets right. done. You actually, and get then to they it. just you flip the page in your book, and then the next week with the clean slate, all the eighty percent of the things that you wrote down are just gone. Right. <laughs> um, but I spend a lot of time. I I feel like my I break my days down and and even my weeks kind of of eighty percent like working on the brand and 20% or 30, maybe 30, 70 of, of networking, kind of growing my network. Yep. So I feel as though, especially where we're at in, in the industry and the way that I'm, I'm operating this is, yes, I'm very heavily relying on myself, but I'm using this as a vehicle for me to, to network and grow my right. network with people. Um, so I basically, depending on Sunday night, I'll probably roll out my meetings for the week and I kind of have an idea of who's around or who I may be meeting with that weekend. It's across yeah. all the industries. Um, I feel as though any, any meeting you meet with somebody, there's always an underlying commonality yeah. you, can, you can meet with, even if it's not your industry, like you can always apply like a great, right. what you're working on or learn something. Um, yeah. So I kind of build around my meetings and depending on where I am, if I'm in Boston or even traveling, like yeah. I'll look at a bunch of cool cafes. Like I love grinding out in cool coffee shops. Yeah. And just like if I had, if I sat on millions and millions of dollars, I would just travel the world, just going and to sit in coffee, coffee shops. shops. Yeah. 
chasing coffee shops and cafes and small little coffee houses. That'd be the dream. That's awesome. Um, so I think this was helpful and I read this somewhere and maybe on your website, um, that like you've kind of gone through this process of, of networking where, you know, and I, we talked about this a little bit where I've, I've been like cold DMing, like strangers Mm -hmm. on the internet and been like, Hey, do you want to talk? Like, I think you're funny or I think you're interesting. Like, how have you gone about, you know, networking in your industry or kind of adjacent industries to you? Um, I think it's always interesting for people who are like just starting something out or like, I got to focus on me. I got to focus on me. When in reality, it seems like so much more of either the learning or like the connections and like progress you can make comes from meeting with other people. Absolutely. I think it's so important. And I think it's something that in the past year and a half that I've really tried to embrace. Um, And even, like I said, even if you nail a meeting with someone who's in a different industry, like once you kind of plant your seed with them, like I feel as though um, they will have like three or four people who actually can relate to your line of business and then they refer you and it just kind of snowball effects from there. Um, But yeah, I've had such a great experience of of reaching out. Like you said, it's it's insane. Our validation of Instagram and like connecting people and and how you, you can just like meet and kind of, not to say like, obviously there's so many crazy things that are happening in the world, but I feel as though when you connect with somebody on Instagram, like it's almost like there's already this level of respect and understanding right. they're doing that you kind of buy in and, and can meet them or, or connect with yeah. them somehow. Um, but yeah, I've, I actually have had some really cool connections that have, have built, have, have progressed. And um, there's this one woman who runs this surf program it's called unleash surf and she's yep. from um canada and basically she her and her husband founded this like surf retreat in peru mm-hmm. it's like between i think it's between two weeks and three months that you can go and it's basically yep. a remote um experience where you can bring your work and kind of be a part of this surfing community awesome. and then we really hit it off we connected on instagram and i think we probably talk once every couple months and just like connect and catch up and she'll have yep people for me to talk to and she set me up with like three different calls and now even one of those people that she referred me to I check in with every probably two months or so um and it's just really cool to kind of everyone has everyone kind of in the industry like you said who's who's doing their own thing Mm -hmm. um has a mutual level of respect because you understand the grind and the willingness to connect and I feel as though everyone wants each other to succeed and at least I've been very fortunate with the community that I've kind of tapped into that I have knock on wood, I haven't really had anyone who hasn't given me the time of day in the sense yeah. that once you connect with them in exchange story, I feel like there's a level of investment um, that's traded between each other. And I've had people write to me saying, Hey, like, I know we met six months ago, but you should really check out this person or like check out what they're doing, etc." Yeah. Um, and I feel like if you can put the time and the effort in just to reach out and follow up with people on, even if it's months and months after, you never know when yeah. you're going to cross their mind if something's going to come up that will help you tremendously. Yeah. Uh, are you going to get down to Peru for a surf retreat? I would love to. It's definitely on my radar. I don't know if I can do the full three months, but yeah. I'll have to send you, I'll send you the link when, um, later on. You can definitely read about it. But some of the, the stories that they've had have been unreal. I heard her husband basically travel the world trying to find like this perfect location where they can set up shop for their, their community yep. and like the safe work environment, et cetera. That's awesome. I think Peru is probably my biggest month of like surfing while I was traveling. Cause they're just like in in Lima, we were like two minutes from the beach and would surf every morning. And then we went up to Juan Chaco, which is like the biggest, uh, the longest left breaking wave in the world. And so we like went up there and it's like, you take a bus and a taxi and a little shuttle boat and like gets you (laughs) into this like tiny secluded place. That was awesome. Um, so you, I know you've done some like traveling and again, part of it, it seems like is part of like the networking aspect. So you went to, Mm -hmm. 
I saw the, was it the vegan travel yes. show? Was it no vegan fashion show? Vegan fashion show. Yes. That was crazy. Um, and you've done like a couple other events. So like, how are you finding, and maybe like more specifically, how are you selecting what events like you want to go to or attend or even just be a part of, um, like how are, how are you finding these, these things to go, go to? Um, some of them are from like weekly emails I get in the industry. Um, a bunch, obviously you should find out on Instagram, mm -hmm. but where I'm at right now, I'm really trying to hit the home runs with the, the financial aspect of traveling and, yep. and allow this to, um, basically grow and, and help me, um, be able to do that more for sure. Cause I think that was one of the biggest missions that I, I wanted to do was allow this to, to grow and help me go places to meet people and, yep. and share stories and connect with them. Um, so that's definitely been a vehicle for me in that sense. And I went out to LA in January for the vegan fashion show, which was yep. crazy. Um, it was just amazing to see all the new technologies and fabrics and substitutes for leather and everything that they were using. Um, yeah. There's this amazing backpack that it was a company from France. They were launching, I think this summer or this fall, but they basically, they make all these backpacks out of cork Yeah. and they're so light and they basically are supposed to like mold to the shape of your back. So they huh. really are individualized and they're so comfortable, but they're very expensive. Obviously. Yeah, I'm sure. Then they're making leather out of like banana peels and pineapple skin. Um, Trying to think what else. It was a really cool experience to see and connect with people who are kind of being yeah. the innovators and, and being those first movers to think outside of the box, which obviously I want to continue to do. And as I scale and grow, offer new products that right. have different um, approaches to sustainability and just kind of are thinking outside of the box. Yeah, that's wild. I wouldn't even, like, sure. I would not even think of a, a vegan fashion show being a thing, but I guess it makes sense. Um, yeah. So how do you, I guess, how have you handled the, the funding aspect of this, like obviously you're working kind of freelance on the side to sort of, it seems like support like your life, you know, lifestyle. Um, but from like a funding standpoint, have you taken on funds from people? Like, as you know, are you putting whatever you make back into the business? Like how has that piece of things gone for you? Yeah. So it's, it's basically bootstrapping now. Yep. Um, and when you, it's kind of interesting because as I'm growing and, and basically trying to add two products each season and I, I relaunched last December. So I've only done one full run and I have a half run um, that's finishing up this week. Cause I have a pop-up in Montauk this weekend Nice for the, yeah, it's, it's actually really cool. It's a woman's um, surf film festival. Um, so it's at the Montauk beach house and yep. it's going to be a really cool crew. There's some awesome surf photographers that's and great. professional surfers and filmmakers. So that'll be a really good, cool event for me. But so I had a half, um, a half run refilling for the women's sizes um, for that. But essentially, it's interesting because I'm not quite there in the sense of working with the fashion schedule, but you're supposed to work like a season and a half in advance. Yeah. Um, but once I kind of get the framework done, that producing, knowing how long your production takes, obviously the refill, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a little bit faster. Yeah. Um, run out of sizes. Like after my, I was in, um, in the seaport in Boston for, yeah. From March till June and I sold out of all my women's smalls and mediums which was awesome but again right. it takes a little bit to refill that so I'm trying to once kind of the sales increases and you and you know what you're what you need to refill and, and basically working a couple of seasons out it's gonna yeah. allow me to kind of get into more of a fluid system but it's just the inventory battle right now of small runs and yeah and trying to have patient have customers be patient with you and knowing that they're getting a, a good quality um, garment that's made in the US and yeah buying into the mission and vision I, I haven't really had any major issues um, in that sense of, of people being patient waiting, even if they pay for it and right. done the pre-orders and stuff, which has been awesome. Um, but yeah, just 
basically knowing what you're what you need for for demands and figuring out um, how many sales you have to push to kind of just pour that money right into yeah. manufacturing and and each each run and each sale hopefully you, you narrow down your debt a little bit more um, yeah. but still very much running the nonprofit right now which gotcha. is great you gotta, gotta embrace it that's fair that's fair yeah uh for somebody like me who knows absolutely nothing about the fashion industry is a run like okay, you have the spring season or whatever it might be. And you're like, I'm going to make this many shirts for the spring. And that's like your run. And when you have, when that run is out, it's like you're out of clothes. Explain that to me. Yeah. So basically my, I had a first run. So I, my first production was um, 600 units. Okay. So out of that, I had um, the woman's t-shirt, woman's long sleeve, men's t-shirt, and then the guy's Henley. And those are my first four core products. Yeah. One of them had um, bamboo in it, cotton in it, and then the men's Henley is a merino wool bamboo blend, and the buttons are made out of coconut. The coconut. Shells. I love the coconut yeah. buttons. Yeah, people love those. I've had a really good response with those. I just was trying to think of something to be unique and um, just be a little bit different. And yeah. again, just keep pushing, pushing the envelope on how can I make this more sustainable and just different yeah. and kind of every every one step up of something unique you can get in this industry. Like you gotta jump on it for sure. Yeah. Um, so basically the first 600 units would be like one, my first run. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, and then obviously once I sold out of, of that stuff, I, I'm working on two new styles for, um, the fall. I just partner with a consulting and development firm out of Portland, Maine, and they're, mm-hmm. the, I think they're the best in the business and they are helping me basically resource, um, some of the fabrics and, and work on my, um, being more cost efficient with my decision-making. And yeah. it's funny though, because it's, it's frustrating in the sense that, everything I've been doing for the past two and a half years, like they're almost reworking yeah. um, and fixing my styles and sizes, which even this is something that I didn't even know, but they pulled all the competitors in the industry and even just like think about a giant like Patagonia and they pull yeah. their size charts and kind of compare where I'm at with my sizing and, and lengths and even like something that might fit you might not fit my brother. Et right. I want to try to figure out those core elements of each size that range from the t-shirt to the Henley that are consistent. Yep. So say you had a, a medium t-shirt on and you, you try the medium Henley on, you're like, that's weird. Like I fit your medium t-shirt perfect, but like the Henley, not the Henley. sleeves are too short, whatever, et cetera. So they basically are helping me build those, those style blocks and make everything kind of more consistent. So when I scale, yep. I can be more on the for, the front, um, the grounds running out with my, my products and samples and being like, Hey, Sin Rainbow is like, you want to buy this for next season and they can yep. order and I can call them and, and they are kind of managing more of the back end stuff, which I've been doing for the past year and a half. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's an awesome opportunity for me and I'm learning so much and they, they bring in like real life fit models. So someone right. who's a true medium in the industry, they came in and put my stuff on and we kind of went through every single seam and measure and adjusted yep. here. Um, so I'm working on all that kind of hammering out the first year business uh-huh. um, curveballs and trying to take a step back while still kind of moving forward to bring the greater picture forward. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I know you've had, and you just mentioned it a little bit, you've had a couple of like little maybe pop-ups in, in retail experiences. Like, are you looking to push the envelope there? I know you were at for now in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, you were at, was you were in Nantucket as well. You had something in Nantucket. Yes, I'm in Nantucket surf company right now. So are you trying to, is like that the direction that you're trying to push growth is like getting people like getting into these retail opportunities? Yeah. So I think that the model that I'm trying to build out right now is obviously heavily 
the way I'm, my branding's taking itself. Like, obviously, I want to tap into the skiing, the mountains, and yeah. everything like year-round water. But I've really just had a big push for like the summer, summer branding, and obviously that's when a lot of these brands thrive. And I'm trying yeah. to embrace that right now. Um, but I had an amazing experience in for now, um, being the first retail experience, and they did such a good job of of base, of pooling together every single order that I had. Um, they get like customer feedback, positive yep. or negative, and they recorded everything for me. So I have a huge, um, basically data pool of everything that was said about my brand or mm-hmm. questions or hey like I want to see this in this material etc yeah. um, and then I'm in Nantucket right now and that's a really good experience um, but again it's just battling I want to keep that model of, of finding stores that I feel as though align with my vision and will yeah. kind of harness my brand and, and be the front run storytellers front runner right. storytellers that I, I want them to be in the sense yeah that are going to give the time of day. If you walk in and you're like, Oh, like blue society, that's a really cool brand. Like, like what is the deal with right. it? That they'd be able they to can speak to it a little bit. Yeah. For sure. But I want them to have connections to it and kind of embody the same type of vision or, or yeah. values within their own business. So I'm being picky in the sense of, um, finding the, those right fit stores, um, yeah. that will do that for me as well as battling just the inventory and, and keeping enough stuff that I have the opportunity to go out there without, it's just a battle of getting the exposure, the free marketing to like even influencers and and sending it to people to photographers to shoot and and stuff like that, as well as not running dry to not be able to capitalize on those opportunities when they come out and granted to be patient as I scale. And um, once I basically cap out on some more sales and can do another run at my, my new products, it's just kind of starting over and finding some more places. Yeah. Um, so you've kind of mentioned like what your sort of short, like this is still year one for you. Like what is maybe your like grand vision or goal for, for blue society and like where you want to take it or what you want it to become? Yeah. Five, I think three, I, five, 10 years down the road. Where would it, where three, would it be? Five, 10 years. I would love to have my own shop, but I, yeah. I do, I never want to lose the small brand feel. Yeah. I think it's so important to be able to connect to something and feel that sense of like, I'm owning this brand. But like, I don't walk around and every single person has on it. Like I have a little bit of like exclusive chip on my yep. shoulder, but it's like a home root feel. Right. Um, and I actually was reading this stat the other day that um, most brands in the East Coast in New England is like the biggest hub for like the thriving of small yep. brands. I don't know what it is about it, but everyone huh. just loves that attachment. Um, but I, I definitely, as I scale, like every small company wants the big company feel and every big yep. company wants like to get that entrepreneurial like aspect inside. Right. It. So I just want to grow and scale at a controllable size for myself right now until I can build a team under me and then see yeah. where it takes us. Um, but again, I would love to have, um, I want to build out a, a little mobile pop-up that I can tow around and do different events. And, and I want to be creative in the sense of thinking outside the box and, and doing like going to different bars and doing like a cocktail hour or doing like yeah. a gallery where I throw together a bunch of photographers and, and even maybe do my own film, um, mm-hmm. like film or film festival someday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just three to five years, five years. I still want to own it. I don't really yeah. want to grow to sell it, but if something ever takes off and presents itself, I mean, definitely cross that road when I get there. But yeah. right now I'm just, I'm loving having, um, basically like a, a vehicle to learn and to grow and to push myself outside of the comfort zone. And yeah. every day is, every day is something new. And I think that's right. what I love and embrace the most of kind of taking the ups and downs, but knowing that this is mine is something that I'm working my butt off for. And yeah, I've, I've found that like starting something has been like a second version of college, but maybe like better. Like, I feel like I've learned a lot more in eight months of like trying to start my own thing than in four years of like sitting in a classroom combined, maybe. 
For sure. Let me throw this question at you. Do you feel as though you could be doing everything you're doing now without college education? Uh, yes. 1000%. Yep. For sure. Um, I think about that all the time and I'm like, okay, yes. The time management, the social aspect, the yeah. like finding yourself and learning your strengths and weaknesses and mm -hmm. capitalizing on your weaknesses, like the actual like human development aspect of college, right. I feel like was very, very valuable. But yeah, when I look back and like, okay, what class am I applying here? Like, yeah. I don't think I took anything close enough to what I'm doing at all. Yeah. I think like the only thing that I think to myself is, oh, I wish I like started something in college because I'm like, mm -hmm. you have such a built in audience right away. I'm like, Absolutely. You see so many of these companies that like scale quickly. It all starts where it's like, where did it start? Oh, it got picked up on X campus and then it went to this campus and like, that's how it like gets a little momentum. So mm -hmm. in that sense, maybe like you could have you take some for granted the, your, yeah, your immediate environment. Right. You're like, Oh, I had, I had 10,000 captive people all within like a two mile mm -hmm. radius of each other. <laughs> um, but no, I don't think like there's anything that I, like now especially in the creative world like so much of it can be learned online like you can i can google i can find anything i want like on the internet and mostly for free like learn how to do it and so that piece has been i don't know how you feel i'm curious your thoughts on this like if there's anything in particular that you're like i had no idea how to do this at the start and now you're like oh i'm a pro at this because i've done it like, I don't know how to, I never knew how to edit audio or like make a video edit or anything like that. And I'm like, well, I've taken a couple Skillshare courses and I do YouTube tutorials and I like, sure. I feel comfortable enough to do it now. Like, is there anything that you've done? You're like, oh, I had no clue how to do this at the start. And now you're like, I'm a pro. Yeah, I would definitely say the first thing that comes to mind with that is strictly accounting because yeah. I did so bad at accounting in school and I just could not understand journal entries on paper and reading yeah. about it. But now I have to balance my book and I have to do everything through QuickBooks yeah. and I'm applying it like in real life and I actually understand it and I have right. to understand it to make sure all my finances are in check and my balance sheets. And, but I did so poorly in accounting in school mm -hmm. and it was so frustrating to me and, and going to get tutors and trying to figure yeah. that stuff out, but applying it in real life, it actually makes sense to me. I'm like, right. I don't understand. like I'm reading this from a textbook. Why does it make sense yeah. now? And that really makes me laugh. Cause I just accounting and I did not see eye to eye at all. Yeah. Um, but you definitely need that skill to survive right now. Um, mm -hmm. But another aspect of that, like you said, the creative side of things is just strictly design for me and building creative content or like building out whatever it may be, an Instagram post or my new logo design yep. and doing that aspect. And even with my freelancing stuff, like helping people generate logo designs and, and branding and, and yep. brand identity. Like we didn't have a, um, any graphics classes at school. Mm -hmm. And I think that looking back, if, like you said, if I started like more in depthly was seriously considering doing this in college and yes, I was making my own designs, but I was more so on just like an app on my phone and now I'm pretty fluent in Photoshop and Illustrator yeah. suite stuff that I've, I've needed to learn how to do. But again, like looking back, I wish that we had other classes or it's just like you, you kind of are unaware of the, those interests until you tap yeah. into them, but having the resources or kind of the curiosity factor, I think was missing mm -hmm. in school because we didn't have um, like any creative graphics or right graphics. yeah you're not like oh i'm gonna apply this and this is how it gets done i see that sure. um oh you just made me think of something uh how oh how um are you doing all the photography i am stuff? i have had one other girl do a shoot for me who is amazing surf um photographer from the outer banks okay she took um some of my stuff to 
Puerto Rico in, I think it was January or so. But when I first started, I was like, I'm going to be different in the sense that everyone else like posts other people's work and just kind of builds this beautiful, aesthetically pleasing Instagram feed. Right. Stuff. And if you are scrolling through from just the list form, like, like, oh, this is awesome. You like click on it. It's someone else's picture. And I was like, yeah. I never want to do that. Like I always want to do like my own work. But it came to a point where I was looking at different followings and I did a couple experiments where I um, like post someone else's story and tag them or something. And it just did gener- generate some more organic following. Yeah. And I, I kind of turned the page in the sense of, okay, I need to give up something in the sense of the pride of having all my own photography yeah. to grow a little bit. So I do have um, some posts from this girl, um, Katie Slater, who was, does amazing work um, for photography work. But other than that, everything else is, I still, 95% of my posts are all my own. I yeah. only post her stuff, but I'm working on, um, I have this like social media director, uh, directory on Excel where I have basically every single like, I have a basically um, influencers, photography, photographers, and just anyone with a cool following, like three tiers of it. Yep. And I'm working on for some outreach stuff, but essentially the first tier is like super attainable, like my friends and family and yep. people who probably have like under 5,000 followers. And then the third, the second tier is more of a reach where I probably should be able to get myself in this person's hands and, and have them post. Yep. And then the third ones are our reach are kind of shot, shot in the dark if I sent them a shirt like questioning if they if they take a picture of it or post it um so i'm kind of working through that model of creating um a system to kind of work on some more outreach and getting my stuff out there yep um to be able to have that following and um posting and stuff and it's been good so far and trying to figure out the next direction with that and i also want to use if i i'm trying to create a layout for different photographers and 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 basically build a little travel into it in the sense that I'm going to go, we'll do a shoot with them. And then I'm going to write a huge story for my blog. I'm like their, their own community and yeah. to work with other brands or whatever their, their niches in the um, in yeah. their own industry. So it kind of goes twofold, but um, going back to your, your question, most of it's my own work, but I'm, I'm learning and quickly shifting the sense of uh, trying to figure out ways that I have to let others, others yeah. into my page. Balance a little bit. Yeah. To grow, for sure. Okay. Um, and you mentioned you you want maybe I'll kind of wrap it up here with the the travel related question. Have you had any like nightmarish experiences so far in your traveling? It seems like it's all been fairly smooth sailing. But have you had any like oh shit, where, what is going on here? I'm trying to think. One was um, well, my first time when I went out to California for the vegan fashion show, it was it poured. I thought I was gonna I had all these shoots set up with three yeah. photographers. Um, I had my cousin and a friend out there that I was going to shoot them as well. And it rained the entire time. And I was in like, we were taking Ubers and no one knows how to drive out there in the rain. Mm -hmm. It was terrifying. People were hydroplaning left and right. And everyone's like, yeah, like it never rains like this. It's rained like this probably like it hasn't rained like this all year. And I was like, great. Like my, my only six days out here, it pours the entire time. Right. Um, but one of my biggest probably horror stories so far throughout this whole thing was my first pop-up, not that it was too much traveling, but in Boston at for now, um, it was a Saturday morning and my brother was with me and we were helping, he was helping me bring all my inventory in. And for whatever reason, we bought like my four boxes of inventory and they had a bunch of my stuff at the shop as well. And we just were on the corner, threw my hazards on in the car. They got it, got the inventory, came out, and the car was gone. Really? Towed in like 30 seconds. And that would have ruined my entire pop-up if I couldn't get anything. Like, at least the inventory was out of it. But yeah. I had all these different drinks. I had, like, photos that I printed out for people to take. And, like, yeah. I had all these different 
like elements to my my aesthetic of my pop-up that I was going to bring in and make it all nice but that the car was gone and I was like in the car yeah so did you just go through the whole pop-up and then like afterwards you're like fuck it I'll find my car later (laughs) well thank god my brother I I was like he just went on the mission and tried to find it but it was I guess it wasn't Boston police that did it was state police so they don't book for an hour so the car was just we had no idea where it was for like an hour and a half so once once we located it, he went and go. He went and got it, and then yeah. finally got the stuff up for probably the last two hours of the pop up. Oh jeez! That that really tested our our flexibility and, and nimbleness to adjust under pressure. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a good a good uh, indication of how like the entrepreneurial creative things go. Is you're like, oh, my car's gone. All my stuff that was in it. At least you got your clothes totally. out. Right, just another battle of the startup life and just trying to address the immediate problems and, and keep rolling. Wasn't she just delightful? So that was Kayla O'Connor, founder of Blue Society, the lifestyle clothing brand that is uh, centered around the ocean and water and salt and earth and air. And I'm probably missing a few elements, and Kayla's probably going to kill me for this. But her, and I thought her interview was amazing, and it was great getting a chance to sit down and talk to her. Uh, again, we were, you know college friends but actually grew up in the same hometown on the seacoast of new hampshire and that was the the real inspiration for her brand and so you know she's she's done some amazing things and is already appearing in you know even after just a year in business is appearing in retail locations and is doing pop-ups around the country so what she's been able to do in such a short period of time is is really incredible and if you want to keep up with what she's doing uh you can buy the products maybe that's first and foremost of a great way to support uh at bluesociety.com or you can follow them on instagram same thing at blue society you know she's she's got some amazing stuff i think it would make for some great gifts for the holiday season uh but yeah so kayla's really pushing what she's doing here uh, with blue society and it was it was so great and i'm so gracious to have had the chance to to sit down with her uh, but before I let you go, I you know, also want to take a quick moment to just a friendly, friendly reminder that you know if you are listening to the show and you're enjoying it in some capacity, I ask this every week, you know what I'm going to ask. Get into the iTunes store, leave me a review. That's all I ask. Subscribe, download. I don't really know what all that stuff is. Get in there, leave a review that says good things about what you're hearing on this podcast. If you feel so inclined, share it with somebody else. I'm also starting to look for some new guests on the show. So if you have anybody that comes to mind, if somebody who is entrepreneurial or living a different lifestyle, uh, send them my way. And maybe we will see them on the next episode of Destination Different. But until then, this is me signing off. Stay weird. in love for just a couple hours I can't tell the difference between
between what's fake and what's been missing Often I'm misunderstood, so I'm looking for a better me This is your love song, baby I hope that you know the words This is your love song, baby I hope that you know what you were oh, 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 oh. We should take time, take time, cause with you I feel it visible 